Welcome to Odwires More Than a Game, hosted by the Odwires Podcast Panel. In this episode, we're joined by Dublin senior ladies football goalkeeper Kira Trant. In our chat, Kira touches on her development through the boys' go game structure, from wanting to be the star forward to ending up in goal by accident, her reasons for playing Gaelic games, being relentless the importance of the coach listening to the team's needs, having fun and enjoyment, and communication for equality in sport. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, like, share, and spread the word. Okay, listen, welcome, uh, Kira, uh, to the O'Dwyer's More Than The Game podcast. We're uh, absolutely delighted to, ha- to have you here. Um, just for anybody who, who doesn't know Kira, I'm just going to quickly go through her, her medal haul, okay, which I know would, <laughs> would, would, would embarrass her and there's no way she would go through it herself. Uh, but, but Kira has four All-Ireland senior medals uh, with Dublin, six Leinsters, one league title, two under-21 All-Irelands, one minor All-Ireland and two All-Stars, which is a, an absolutely fabulous uh, achievement, Kira, And we're absolutely delighted to have you on, on the podcast here this evening with us. Yeah, thanks very much for inviting me on. No problem, no problem. Um, Kira, I suppose we're just going to start off maybe having a chat just about where, where did your passion for the GEA start and, and who inspired you along the way? Um, I don't really know. Um, when I was younger, it was kind of like whatever sport is on TV, always mad about so you know all Ireland final September I was hurling a football and Olympics I was doing I was an expert in, in every sport at the time where you have your Wimbledon even like the Tour de France I used to sit down and have that on one channel and flick back to Wimbledon and then I'd be outside playing tennis and hopping on my bike so it didn't really matter the sport it was just sports in general and then I suppose I played a bit of everything when I was younger then and uh just settled into GA mainly because um, my older brother played, my younger brothers and sisters played, and it was just easier with five children to to drop them all down to the GA club than to be running around to four or five different locations um, after school. So, but like, nevertheless, like I, I, I did really enjoy it when I was younger, and I had no problem picking that as as my passion. But the GA in particular, it didn't come from really anywhere other than the local club, and that's what everyone in the area played for and that's what I ended up sticking with really okay okay and in terms of care what, what other sort of sports did you dabble in early, earlier on and, and did that have an impact um I, I I played with P-Mans when I was younger so there's a lot of a lot of football um and I suppose my role models growing up would have been like so I, I was Beckham Mad and Zidane and then after that Cesc Fabregas like I I'd know GA players up on my wall when I was when I was really young it was all Arsenal players even really um, and playing FIFA with my older cousin Shane so it was like I suppose it was heavily influenced by soccer and I did you know all the summer camps swimming um, did a few tennis camps did did whatever was on whatever mom could to get us to try uh, did Irish dancing did one well not even I think I did a warm up in ballet and then started crying I didn't like that at all <laughs> like, um, <laughs> mom made a point of making us try try everything um, yeah, but um, I suppose, yeah, I probably was heavily influenced by the Premiership, I suppose. Yeah, yeah brilliant, brilliant. And and then when, when, when you got started, I suppose, into playing in uh, in, in, your, in your in your home club in St. Finian's in, in Newcastle, what way did that, did that journey start out for you? On my little brother's team, uh, Newcastle, at the time, wasn't a very big, big village like it is now, so there was a big struggle. For numbers so at the time i was maybe one of four or five players who were playing down an age group rather than up an age group okay. um so yeah i played with my little brother's team um for as long as i could up until maybe 13 14 i think we got to we got to finals i think it was maybe under 13s and that was go games finishes at 12s so yeah. girls shouldn't be playing but i don't know what team we were playing i think it was out near Nafina somewhere on a council pitch and um, they objected to girls playing because they thought it was going to be a, a close game so couldn't play the final me and another girl Nora we couldn't play the final that year I think we lost I think it was close enough anyway and that was kind of the that was that was our last hurrah and we had to we had to give up give it up with the boys and, and find a girls team then 
Um, but yeah, it was I, look, I loved playing with the boys. There was girls who didn't really, but me and Nora absolutely loved it. Um, so my development was all through boys football, really, and through the go game system in the GA. Okay, okay, excellent. And and in terms of career, in, in, in the early stages, who 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 inspired your your your, your early journey, I suppose? Um I don't really know. Mm. I don't know if I had like a GA someone I looked up to. Well we would have my dad's side of the family are from Kerry and back in the two thousands, like it was Kerry were were the team, they had a couple of All Ireland wins near the likes of uh, Daryl Canada was playing. I love Declan O'Sullivan, Mike Frank Russell, uh, Seamus Moynihan as well. Everyone in the house loved him. So okay. I suppose like the, the Kerry team, you know, Gooch as well, uh, coming onto the scene around them, the Kerry team would have influenced us a lot. Uh, not by choice, just by the transfer a Kerry family. So, you know, it's it's up the kingdom or nothing. Um, so but yeah, I would have I would have watched a lot of them um, and would have tried to copy um Daryl Canada and Mike Frank Russell quite a bit as well. Yeah. The, 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 the fascinating thing here just listening to you is you haven't mentioned one goalkeeper. No, I'm sure. I, <laughs> no, and people are always ask, asking me about Cluxton and I'm like you know, the only interaction I've ever had with Cluxton has been in coppers. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't watch him any more than the others do. I, you know, despite the rumours, I do not train with him or anything like that. Like, <laughs> no, no, no goalkeepers. Like, I didn't, I didn't start playing in goal until I was 18, 17, 18, second year minor. Like, so, yeah, it was all, I wanted to be the star forward of every team I played for. Brilliant, brilliant. And how how did it happen then, Kira, in terms of the, the goalkeeper bit? Um, we had no goalkeeper for a challenge game. Our, our regular goalkeeper was away on holidays and we were playing Kildare in a challenge match. I think it was just after leave insert. So we took a break for the leave insert at minor and then we got back together and this was our first challenge game. And we were training in St. Bridges and I remember the manager just came up and was like, look, we've no goalkeeper. Would you go and goal? And I wasn't getting the, a game at all. Um, so I was like, yeah, absolutely. This is my chance to to play and rather than sitting on the bench. At least I'll get a get a game here. And I can say I, I played for Dublin this year and uh, have been in goal ever since, really. Yeah. Straight. We had, a, I think, All-Ireland semi-final against Cork maybe two or three weeks after that. And the team was never called out until after the warm-up. Um, so we went out and I did the warm up, and then afterwards found out I was in goal. And for everybody who had read the match program while they were waiting on us, knew I was in goal. I think it was the last person to find out. And uh, I think I think we conceded five goals that game, but we won anyway. And we went down. And we won the All Ireland final. But it was just, I think, like most goalkeepers, you you play in goal, you do a half decent job, and then you're never you're never put outfield again. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have a goalkeeper, so you're, you're in forever then. Like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Especially in ladies football, I don't think it's a... I don't think there are men... Or a couple of years ago, it's, it's different now, but I don't think it was a popular position. I know there's some lads that love getting dirty and finding a goalkeeper on a on a boys' team is maybe not as difficult as, as finding one on, on a girls' team. Uh, so, you know, I, I did feel a bit of a stigma around it at the beginning. Like, I was a bit embarrassed to say I played in goal, but... Not anymore now. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, and in terms of Kerry, you mentioned about just the, the, the way that, that that team worked in, in particular. So after, it was actually warm up on game day, you would find out what yeah. the actual team was. Yeah, um, the managers, um, particularly the, like our coaches and then the manager, Finston O'Curry, they were very, very conscious of, you know, the fun elements. We, we didn't play, we didn't have any tactics. Like we won a All-Ireland all minor final with no tactics other than kick the ball into the forwards as quick as you can. And uh, right. completely relied on the talent that was there. Um, and just, it was all about like making sure everyone arrived, everyone had fun, everyone felt like they were valued. They had a part to play in the team. So they, they didn't really want anyone going home from training sad or not wanting to go to the match of the weekend because they weren't going to get a game or they were wearing number... 30 and not number 17 like I'm never going to even get put on that sort of way so they were very very conscious of that and 
I don't know if it took away from us. I, like we were all used to it. A lot of us played together since we were twelve or thirteen through the development squads. Um, maybe for preparation, it could have added to it if we knew beforehand. But look, you're young. You don't really think too much. You're just excited to go out and play football. Like you're not focused on anything else in particular, really. So. It wasn't an issue, but yeah, down in down in Nina, when I was told I was playing in goal, there was a bit of a bit of panic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but but worked out in the end. Yeah, thankfully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was nothing good. to lose, I suppose. Yeah. Here, <laughs> <laughs> um, you talked a bit about uh, your development as a juvenile player earlier on, and you talked about playing with your brother's team. Did that help you in a way with your GA career or did it hinder hinder you? I I definitely think it helped. I am and I'd be of the opinion that if a girl is confident enough to play with a boys team and is up to has the same skill level or a matching skill level that should be playing with the boys, I think boys in general are the quality of football they play is is much better underage boys watch football on telly all the time they copy the people they see on tv they go out and play on the street and when i was growing up girls didn't watch sport on telly even now like even within the the dublin theme i think there's a flaw that we don't watch enough sports as a collective and um, girls just aren't into it like boys are or they don't obsess in general obviously like like i was and i know there are other girls who are but like across the board I think you could pick a juvenile girls team, say under 10s, and how many of you watched a match at the weekend? I'd say quite low numbers who would put their hands up for that. So I think playing with the boys is a massive advantage in terms of developing your skill level, your knowledge of the game. You know, boys will talk tactics, girls will talk about fun or something like that at a very juvenile le- level. Um, you know, boys, they all think they're going to professional or something like that where a lot of girls don't have those aspirations they're playing because it is fun uh, and it's a social thing and they enjoy it whereas boys get overly competitive I think that's and that that's definitely stood to me um, and then maybe not so much when the boys started catching up with me like I was always taller than them and then maybe under 11s under 12s they started growing muscles and stuff and you know I wasn't I wasn't as dominating games as I used to um, so the divide had to come then, but I think underage, like, why not? If it can, if a girl is confident enough to and wants to play with the boys, let her go off and play with the boys. Like, she's not at a disadvantage. And I don't know. I'm I'm quite impatient. My my competitiveness makes me impatient in terms of when I was younger, even in PE in school, playing with the girls or doing something with the girls that weren't sporty enough or into it enough, and I just get annoyed. So I think. For me, in my own situation, maybe playing with a girls team underage, I would have just got annoyed with the girls that were just there because their mother dropped them off and not because, you know, they want to play for Dublin when they're older and they want to win and, you know, that this means the whole world and I'm going to cry if it comes crashing down like it did a lot of times. So, yeah, I, I think it was it was massive for my development. You talked about um, you playing a lot of different sports uh, when you were younger, soccer, uh, tennis. Did you think all them different sports helped you in your GAA career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose GAA is made up of loads of different skills. Like, it's a mix of every sport. So, you know, your basketball, your soccer, uh, your skills with the ball. Definitely, I think the more you play, the better you'll get at those basic skills. Then I suppose my understanding of the game is something that I have a lot of pride in. Um, in Like, tactics-wise, being able to read the game, movement patterns and I think you only get that by immersing yourself in lots of different sports and seeing how things are played like um maybe four or five years ago I did oh when Barcelona were were winning everything and they were the team to beat and and Pep was with them and the analysis that was done after games on Barcelona and how they played I was like that's how we should be playing our game with GAA like that's the same patterns we should be using um so I think I think all them skills and the knowledge of different games are definitely transferable into GA as much as GA is transferable into other sports as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think I think if you're focusing all your 
efforts and you're trying to get all your sources of knowledge from the GAA, it's a it's a very narrow minded kind of focus. I think you need to widen where you're you're learning from and you're getting inspiration from um, as much as you can to to I suppose make yourself better, make the game better. Yeah. You you uh, talked about analysis and uh, that great Barcelona team and as a goalkeeper. What analysis would you do? What like if you're studying, you're playing against an opposition. What analysis would you do? Like for for instance, for your kickouts, their forward line. Would you do an awful lot on their analysis, like on their forward line, their movements on uh, oppositions uh, on your kickout? Yeah, you would. You, you you look at how they set up for oppositions, and you have, you have to analyze the opposition who they were playing against. See their kickouts. Are they similar to what you're planning on doing and are the opposition going to set up the same way against you or you know have they a certain period of the game where they do a full press in your kickouts or are they going zonal in certain periods of the game who wins a lot of kickouts who maybe is the forward that's lazy on kickouts can we exploit them and um, you would do a lot of analysis on on oppositions forwards press but within our camp that's kind of left to you know that's goalkeeper's responsibility is to address the kickouts, their own kickouts. So that's something I'd look at or our goalkeeping team would look at. Then our forwards would look at, you know, the areas of the game they, they need to. Um, so opposition defence and how they can exploit that defence. Um, and then we'd all come together and, and share that information um, and kind of feedback on each other's information and nitpick as well, critique each other. Um, so yeah, I would pay a lot of attention to uh, opposition kickouts, but a lot of the time, you know, somebody on the team might notice something that I haven't, um, something maybe they notice something they didn't intend to, and that would be fed back. So it's, I take the majority of the responsibility for doing it, uh, along with our goalkeeper coach, um, but it is kind of a collective as well at the same time. Kerry, you've kind of mentioned there that you didn't really have a GA idol as such kind of growing up, but you probably have turned into a GAA idol for an awful lot of girls playing. You probably don't like hearing that one. Um, but like, why do you think girls should probably take up GA? I know you've kind of mentioned you've played an awful lot of other sports and it has helped you in your GA career so far. But maybe why should girls take up Gaelic football? Or come over, um, by the way. I think, I think something that sets it apart to other team sports I've been involved in would be just the the people or the kind of the values and the morals within the game I think GA people tend to be good people tend to be well grounded community I think the volunteerism in in the sports is is huge and that kind of feeds into it and I think you know there's there's no no there's nobody really has an agenda and if somebody in the GA or within your club has an agenda, well, everybody knows it, and you know they kind of you stick together to make sure that doesn't really influence the club or anything. It's just the, I think GA makes you into a good person, um, and there's good people involved in it. There's always people that have your your back and stuff. Um, if GA was to go professional, I think we might lose that, but I'd always yeah. en- encourage girls to get involved because it's just. It's just people come together for the fun of it and for nothing else. People there because they, they want to be there. Um, and I think football or movie or hurling, that's that's always what comes last. You know, you're not there just for that. Um, you're there for the friendships and, and what you can get back of other people. Um, so yeah, that's that's why that's what I think would set it apart. So obviously try everything, but that's what the J has to offer over other sports, I think, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of fun and, and social aspect and yeah. I suppose being being grounded, I suppose, and being yeah. very much community-based. Like, we, we'd have a, a big enough lady section section in the club and I suppose they've been coming up through the, through the ranks and so on. Why is it so important or why do you think it might be so important for, for girls to, to keep playing? Because I know we, there's different studies there looking at maybe a, a drop-off or so on. Like, how is it so important or how have you kept going? I think... Every, like sport in general you know the the social benefits of of staying involved in GA the mental health benefits the physical benefits um but I think staying involved it's it takes more than just the player making that decision you know it, it has to be influenced by others around the girl in this in this situation the teenage girl say um 
and it teaches kind of resilience. You know, there's always periods of a season that you don't enjoy. There's definitely periods of the last couple of seasons where, you know, I thought you playing on the highest level uh, in the game and the most successful team of recent years. And oh, why, why am I here? Like, do I really want to be here? Like, yeah. everyone goes through those periods. Um, but you kind of, you learn a bit of resilience. You learn that, you know, it's it's not always going to be bad. It's not always going to be enjo- unenjoyable. Um, and it's kind of teaching that and... It's hard to like if a if a girl really isn't enjoying it because she's just not happy. It, you know, she her friends are there, yeah. she likes the coaches and all this, and she's just not enjoying it, not the sport for her. Well, that then that's grand. But if a girl doesn't want to play because she doesn't like someone on the team or yeah, you know, the boys are training at the same time, she doesn't want the boys to see her play and whatever, that's just something you need to just drag her through I think because you kind of nearly grow out of that and um, you know you're you know the girls maybe your body is changing and all this sort of stuff they're they're just phases that yeah. she still does love the sport and you need to support that and maybe remind her of that um so it's probably kind of the the coaches around that team or, or the personnel around that team or even nearly a, a club maybe around that team or yeah section, nearly, yeah like it, it is tricky yeah. Um, and it's easy when you're not enjoying it to kind of play kind vic- of, victim, like yeah. in a poor me kind of, and, and seek sympathy. But it's it's very, it's on an individual level nearly as well. And look, you don't know what is going on in the yeah. player's home life. You don't know what's going on in school, you know. So it's real kind of just maybe encouragement there and, and try and hold on to that that bond and, and see oh, what's up it's it's all about fun at that age yeah. even even at, at senior level now like our training sessions pre-season it's we start off every training session with a stupid game like like we're at like teenage girls again or eight-year-olds like laughing like stupid stuff but it's it's all about fun and mick made the comments on wednesday after training yesterday yeah yesterday after training that god it's great it's great to see people smiling again like you didn't, it's not, we've got our first round in national league in a few weeks. It's yeah. got, it's great to see people smiling and the importance of that fun elements. Um, I know within St. Bridget's, I know there's an under 15 team and I'm not saying every team should do this now, but the managers decided to to bring them off to Disneyland just for a bit of fun. Just, they thought yeah. they're, they're getting to 14, 15 years of age. Let's just remind them that they're here because they enjoy it. Their friends are here and it's not all actually about actually playing football. Mm. Yeah, so it's, um, it's it's more than what happens on the pitch, really, oh, as well. Yeah. It's it's yeah. more, I suppose, <laughs> come back to the name of this podcast is more than more than a game, really. Yeah, you're like, why can't you? Why can't you just scrap a training session and do something else? Do a barbecue or do a treasure yeah. hunt? And like last year, the a week and a half out from the All Ireland final, we were supposed to have training on a Wednesday, and Mick said, "No, we're going orienteering in the dark up in the Dublin Mountains." Any other team would have been like, no, we've too much work to do. We've got the biggest game of the season in 12 days, 11 days, whatever it was. And he was like, no, we're not. We're just going up the mountains to have a bit of fun today. And, you know, that like we won the All-Ireland. It didn't make yeah. a difference. It wasn't the winning or losing of, of a game. It was just about it was just about fun. It was about reminding us that, you know, we're here for, for the fun of it and for the enjoyment and why you play the game. Let's not take it too seriously. Like... Yeah. You know, and you can do that in little ways. Like, why not? Let's let's play tag rugby for the second half of a training session rather than a match. You know, let's let's do do something completely different. Why not play uni hockey or something like that? Something different, just to surprise them and change it rather than we're going to do hand passing drills, shooting drills, and then a match at the end. You know. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Here, in in terms of you, you, you've mentioned sort of a couple of different challenges uh, and and um, I suppose obstacles that 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 you faced. And you know, in terms of when, when people look at you now, they see all this, you know, the success that you've had. But there has to be times where there were serious challenges and obstacles along the way. What what were the main ones that you faced so far, and how did you overcome them? The biggest one for me was when I was. First year minor, uh, I didn't get a game all season. And like rightly so, I wasn't I wasn't up to scratch. Like I shouldn't have been picked at all. And I didn't deserve to get it. Like 
the girls that got on ahead of me uh, deserved it more, like they were a better standard than me. Um, and then I thought I'm not going to make minor team next year. Sure, I didn't. I didn't get a minute on the pitch last year. Uh, and and I did. I made the panel again, but wasn't getting my game. I was even sub for challenge matches against really weak counties. Like, and I thought, like, okay, enjoy this now. You're you're not going to play for Dublin again. You're going to be able to say that you've played alongside Siobhan Woods, Sarah McCaffrey, Leah Caffrey. You know, when they are playing in Crow Park, you can say they're your friends and stuff. And I was happy enough to just accept that playing for Dublin wasn't for me and like I did cry a lot not gonna lie I cried on the way to training on the way home from training uh crying in bed at night at sleep like going to sleep just wishing I wanted to play for Dublin and knowing that or thinking that and I think I was justified at the time that I wasn't going to play for Dublin uh, and it was only by pure luck that our goalkeeper's family decided to book a holiday to Florida that, that I got in goal. It, it wasn't any of my doing. Um, but my I, I did, I, I remember promising myself over and over again that, you know, if I just get a second on the pitch, if I just cross the white line and the referee blows the whistle or they use me for time wasting, happy with that. Just I can step on the pitch and say that, you know, I played. I can read a match report and say that I came on as a sub. Um, I'd be happy with that. Doesn't matter what jersey, what position. And then, so when I got asked to play in goal, I didn't even hesitate in saying yeah. And on the way home, I stopped into Liffey Valley into Elvries and bought myself a pair of Puma goalkeeper clubs. You know, I just I was delighted that yeah, yeah okay, this is a challenge match. Doesn't mean anything, but I'm actually going to get to play a game here. So this is going to be great. And you know, t- that was my All Ireland final. That was. You know, and it was they actually. I think they fixed it to to have the game in Newcastle, just to kind of sweep me up a little bit, you know, and <laughs> ask me to go and go. Um, but I, I I was I was trailed my my last ever game for Dublin in my home club, like, uh, and yeah, I just I suppose just I wanted to play really well in that game. I wanted to, to you know give it my best shot, and I think I I suppose had the right attitude going in and I've kind of stuck with that a little bit. So when I went to senior, I got called up. I was like, I'm never going to make this team. Clean O'Connor, the goalkeeper here, Hannah Tyrrell was playing in goal as well that that season. I was like, they're not going to even pick me. Like, I'm not even a goalkeeper properly. How quickly did that call come from the minor to the senior? Oh, I was, I think I played two years, 21s, like... It was only Gregory McGonagall got the Dublin job and he just was like, I want to see who's out there. And I think they looked through a list of, of who played in goal minor the past couple of years and invited them up. Okay. Um, but like in my age group, the 94 girls, there was seven or eight of them playing senior straight out of minor. And, you know, I was at home watching them or going to watch them play. Like, uh, I, was, I was quite late to it. Um, but look, and everything has been a bonus ever since I got asked to play and go. Like I've, I've had no expectations. I completely gave up on everything, uh, and was happy enough to to give up, <laughs> I suppose. And yeah. I talked myself into it. Um, but yeah, I just nothing to lose, and I just it's worked out for me. I suppose it wouldn't work out for everyone. I've been extremely fortunate, but. But but I think I think the, the the importance of your resilience, you know, even through the hard times, you know, that sticking in and and sort of setting these little achievable goals for yourself and stay, and staying at it, you know, I think was 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 massive and should, should be a great inspiration to anybody listening in on on this on this podcast. And when you went up to the to the senior team that 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 time, Kira, you know, how, how did you feel going up there again? You know, with obviously the the, the other competition with Clean and, and and Hannah, who went on to play rugby then with with, with Ireland, isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah, Hannah's yeah. Uh, shooting the lights out with Ireland and the Six Nations this season. Um, yeah. Oh, look, I was just thrilled. Like, I was, don't know, I must have had my bag packed maybe a week in advance of, of that trial. Like, I, everybody told I was going up and I, like, I wasn't even concentrating on football. Like, I remember sitting in the dressing room and Sinead Hearn was tying her boots beside me and I was looking down, staring at her going, I, ch- I tie my boots differently. Should I be tying my boots like her? Like, you know, you know. And I was, I was twenty at the time. Like I wasn't a kid. Yeah. Like I was old yeah. enough to to 
to have a bit of a better perspective. But I was looking around going, oh, my God, this is great. Remember, Sinead Goldrick texted text me afterwards and said something like, oh, it was great to have you train and stay. You did really well. Um, you know, I, I hope to see you again or something like that. I remember getting up out of bed and running up to my mom in the sitting room. Oh, Sinead Goldrick just texted me like, you know, like, it wasn't the football to me. It was just being surrounded by these, like, girls that I wanted to be. Uh, the football came la- later then when I went that kind of starstruck phase wore off a little bit and realised I have to start playing if I want to stay around here. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And in terms of care then, any other challenges that, that, that you've come across even, even on the pitch or, or, or off the pitch along the way? I don't know, like we've, since I've been playing senior football for Dublin, we've, we've gotten to an All-Ireland final every year and mm-hmm. under 21s, we were All-Ireland finals minor, we were All-Ireland finals uh, but there was a lot of losses in that um, in those years, sorry, as well, um, at minor, at 21s, at senior. Um, and I suppose the one thing that people always ask, like, yeah, do the losses make you hungrier? And, you know, it's kind of accepted or cliched that, you know, you learn more from a defeat than you do for a win. But I don't know, like, they were challenging, absolutely. But not after any All-Ireland final loss did I think I want to quit. Like, it was always when's, when's training starting again. I'm going to enjoy myself for the next two months and then I can't wait to get back. There was no hesitation um, yeah. to get back. But I think you know, they were a challenge emotionally and, and socially as well because, you know, for the two or three weeks after those losses, you're meeting people and everyone knows you've, you've lost. Everyone has seen a picture of a video of you crying in Crow Park like and everybody wants to offer you their condolences I suppose and yeah there's a bit of a grieving period through it as well but I think socially was hardest going back into school and seeing everybody after they spend in a week putting up bunting and having a jersey day to wish you good luck and then you lose and everybody knows it like it's challenging to to pick yourself up in that sense but I don't know, they're like just really, really enjoying playing football. So it was never, it's never kind of held me back in a sense. And I think the wins, the All-Ireland finals that we've won have actually made me go, yeah, look, I, I want to play even more now. Like, I want to win again. Not that we've lost. I really want to win. I'm going to try harder to win. Um, I think I've, I've found more inspiration from the successes rather than hunger from the losses. So... I don't know if there's been any other standout challenge. I've been fortunate to play on, on great teams. Um, so there's no real standout challenges to me. Like I've, I've enjoyed everything along the way. Um, I suppose learned from every experience. So other than ended up in goal, nothing has really challenged me too much, I suppose. In, in, in terms of Kira, um, I suppose you you have you've mentioned there. You know you've been you've been part of an incredibly successful team, and it's a it's an absolutely brilliant uh, time to be to be a Dublin GEA supporter. You know, um, because it's gone so well at, at ladies' level, and it's gone so well with, with with the senior men's. What what do you feel are the characteristics of of a high performing performing team? I suppose is the question I want to ask you. I don't know. Like, there's no real if you do this, you will be a, a high-performing team. Like, if you can have all the equipment, all the facilities, and, and not have a high-performing team, I think it's a it's an attitude or it's nearly a, a culture within the team. Um, we kind of, we use the word relentless a lot in terms of how we play, but within our group and the su- successes we've had, we've been relentless on the pitch we've been relentless in terms of our analysis our how you know our continuous learning about the game about our own game we've been relentless in terms of adapting improving changing the way we play every year we've been relentless in our friendships in our the social side to the team you know the first question every season is when 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 are, when's our night out when are we doing our team bonding like we do a lot of that uh, relentless in our in our support for each other like our management are like I don't I, I sometimes I, I try really hard to think how about how hard they work 
and all the work they do. But there's, there, you know, I know there's bucket loads of stuff they do away from the team and the pitch that, that we don't even know about. Like we've 17 people on our management team and I, I suppose we could do it more with the amount of, of areas of the game we need to we need to cover in order to be better again this season. And it's just absolutely everything we do is is done to our best ability, no matter what it is, whether it's something we feel is vital or something we feel is is tiny. And um, just everything is done relentlessly. So like that's that's been evolving it doesn't just happen you don't just say right this year we're going to be relentless we're going to sweep the dressing room we're going to pick up the gear that's not management's responsibility all those little things I think those are rules and stuff that can help you or kind of cause you to fall into a trap of thinking you're high performing but you're not really getting the results on the pitch then so it's it's kind of a it's something that evolves over time Within a, within a setup um, or within a generation of a team, I reckon as well. Um, okay, but, okay. Yeah. And, and in terms in terms of that care, then, like, like you know, like we say the you know Dublin ladies team, you, you were just about there, you know, but just falling short of the of, of the line. And and uh, I remember myself and Colin organised a fundraiser in school um, for for Zambia, and we brought in Mick Bohan, and I remember introducing Mick at the time and saying like that you, you know that this was the he was he only taken on the job, but that this was the man that would help get the Dublin ladies over the line. What what do you think was I suppose so important in that final? final hurdle for, for, for you as a group? Um, probably two things. Um, we're smarter footballers. As a collective, everybody, like Mick has driven our knowledge of the game and he's educated us about the game. So like girls who didn't really understand the game now understand everything. Like we're just smarter. We know what to do in situations. We've we've created those situations for ourselves in training. Um, we know how to control a game. You know, we know how to adapt. It's not just constant instructions from the sideline, and we're doing what we're told. It's it's player led, and a lot a lot of that is instinct now, and that probably got us over the line. But it, that continuous learning and becoming smarter football players and knowing the game better has led to continued success over the last few years. And, that's definitely something that that Mick um, established uh, and that is now being driven by the players. And secondly, I would say it's just Mick is always player first, football second. He'll ask you, how are you? And you could say, oh, my leg's a bit sore. And he's like, I didn't ask you about your leg. I asked, you know, how are you? How, how are you feeling? I could ring Mick now and say, look, I'm a long day in work today you know, feeling tired, he'd go, right, don't come, see you Sunday, you know, don't come to training, take a night off, you're grand, you're not, you know, football isn't important, you're important, and it's that kind of player first, person first attitude, and that, that care and attention to you, knowing that's, that this isn't about football, this is about you, and making sure you're happy, you know, if you're not happy here with the team, well, don't be here, if it's, if it's making you sad, or it's causing you stress, you have to come here if it's making me happy. And that's been huge because obviously if you're enjoying something, you're going to excel and there's going to be less pressure and there's going to, you know, you're going to develop. And um, so definitely two things that have changed and have got us over the line have been, been smarter footballers and then just more care and attention to, to us rather than the football. Kira, you've mentioned that, I suppose, earlier on that you before the trial you had your bag packed in days beforehand how do you prepare now for for games or matches or training and i suppose maybe what are the little extra things that you might do yourself as as a player i pack my bag for the week i pack bags for the week on a sunday evening um oh yeah i just i'm obsessed about being organized you know if you know i this is even since I was little, I used to go to, you know, I'd match on a Saturday, I'd go to bed in my football gear Friday night so that I got up and I was ready to go. Like, <laughs> you know, just, just obsessed with being prepared. Um, and that has kind of translated into recent years about being prepared for the game. You know, what's our game plan? What's my game plan? What's yeah. everybody else's game plan? Like as a goalkeeper, 
majority of the game you're idle you're standing there so knowing everybody else's role and guiding them through that that's something that I pay a lot of attention to um sometimes you know I have to go up to players on a Friday evening before a Sunday game and get me them to talk me through what their role is at a certain weekend or for a certain game or anything like that so it's just I'm obsessed about being ready to go for the match being, being prepared and then after that I've I've no routine I, I I've nothing else you know I, I always have a good sleep the night before I don't get too flustered about anything or too nervous I suppose um but yeah I'm just it's it's just complete obsession with being ready being organized so Sunday Sunday's a busy day in the in the Trant household yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's quite busy so that kind of leads I suppose to the next one how do you balance or juggle I suppose family life football life work life and, and I suppose maybe I suppose it's it's that Sunday where it's spent packing bags maybe is it is, or um oh, people say oh you, you sacrifice loads to play football fair play to you and I'm been doing this since I was 12 like this is just yeah. the way my life is you know this is all I'm used to so is there anything to balance for me like there's nothing new that's gonna tip the scale I suppose yeah. in, in this for me um and teaching obviously helps as well you know during the summers three months off I turn into a professional GA player I, I like <laughs> to think um I, I think I suppose the one thing that I miss out on a lot is probably socializing with friends outside of football but because I spend so long at football and we've really good relationships within everyone on the team and I've grown up with a with a lot of the girls there as well that nearly I'm not looking or feel like I'm missing out on anything social wise with people my age because I'm getting that with the team five, kind of. five nights a week with the team yeah um I, and I suppose the team we've the same kind of mindset and we're the same kind of people you know we understand each other a lot playing a high performance sport that maybe my friends from home don't have as well so you know they kind of it can be frustrating sometimes being around people that don't fully understand the demands of a high like playing elite sport and the lifestyle that comes with that so often just being around the team can can be kind of a comfort uh, for that but I don't feel like there's anything to balance really yeah it's probably all you know? intertwined yeah, and, and mixed think, in really I think if you were new to it if you were just thrown in that you would have to find your feet a little bit but it, it's just my lifestyle I think I'll, I'll struggle when football finishes yeah um <laughs> you know for good like you enjoy your off season only because you know you have to go back at it again yeah but uh yeah I think I'll struggle more trying to balance life after football than I will now that I'm playing football and I suppose how did you balance I suppose I don't like the word of, of lockdowns or closures then if with the football gone over the over the COVID period um I loved it absolutely loved it I just you know absorbed myself in training uh I'd run every day train every day I some we do hills in the Phoenix Park before championship those magazine hills so when the country first closed down I was like right I live in a hill I'm going to do loads of hills so that when we do have that first training session back and it's in the Phoenix Park, I'm going to be fit and ready. Um, so I started getting a kick out of doing hills for some stupid reason because there was, I suppose there was nowhere else to get a kick in life. Uh, and I do, I do a gym session every day. I just, I really, really just enjoyed my like time just training eating recovering and that being my day it sounds very boring now I've said it out loud like <laughs> but I just my day was like it was like regimental in just training and thinking about football and watching old games and getting phone calls of Mick Bohan about you know tactics and being prepared and will you watch back this match it's like we yeah. don't even know if we'll have a match this year but just watch it anyway and let me know what you think like it was just all football for well, six months, and I absolutely loved every second of it. Yeah, I suppose a bit of bit of reflection looking back, and I suppose a bit of routine helps then as well. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. 
Kira, in your sporting, sporting career to date, uh, you've been involved in a number of different uh, coaching uh, teams. What, what, in your opinion, what would you class as good coaching? Probably someone who just listens to the team's needs. You know, you can get excited as a coach and you can have all these plans and you're ready for this great training session. And this year, you know, we're going to be so much better. We're going to be fitter. We're going to be stronger. You know, we're going to win championship this year. But then you've got a squad in front of you and their day has been completely different to yours. Their needs are completely different to what you have plans. And you need to listen to, to that, maybe to the group as a collective, but also to, to individual players. Like, what is someone's needs? Like, I did a, a, a goalkeeper one recently and the amount of young goalkeepers out there that don't actually do goalkeeper training and get so disheartened and don't feel valued within their team that, you know, I have to do outfielder training twice a week and then they stick me in goal the weekend and I've done no training for being in goal and, and that not being listened to. And then maybe you have somebody who's playing in the forwards and hates playing in the forwards and thinks they're no good at it and they want to be a defender, but that's not really listened to because the coach is absorbed in this fantastic training plan that they, they, they've got and, you know, making it the best, making the players, you know, we're going to, our conversion ratio in the match at the weekend is going to be over 70% or whatever and being completely consumed of being a coach rather than listening, listening to the players. So it's definitely like just learning from Mick uh, and his, the rest of the management team. It's just, you have to put the person before the player kind of, and like, I think you'll, you'll get the best out of your, your players then. Well, listening is a key point. So, We've uh, in, in our club and all over the country this week. We've a number, a number of uh, coaches going back coaching this week. Have you any advice for all them coaches going back this week? Just make it fun, as fun as you can. Like I think because we've been away from football so long, we we've really been able to realise what it means to us and why we play. You know, nobody. You don't hear anybody talk of. I can't wait for football to get back so we can win matches. No, like nobody's saying that. I can't wait for football to get back, to get out training again, to see my friends, to have fun, to do, to play my hobby. Nobody's talking about competitions or championships or anything like that. So it's it's feeding into that. You just have a bit of fun, like relax, enjoy it, enjoy it while you can, sort of thing. I think a lot of coaches can get lost, really. Um, at the end of the day, and it is about fun. That's why we play sport. It's all about fun and. No matter what age you are, whether you're four years of age or 34 years of age, it still has to be about fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's a hobby. It is a hobby. Whether you're a coach, someone just helping out a team, or a player, you're there because you're you're. It's it's a hobby because you want to be there. And um, we're not getting paid, so yeah, yeah, you, you can't forget that. And it's easy to get lost because it is competitive sports. It's easy to to get lost in that competitive edge and the wanting to be successful because nobody likes losing at the end of the day and you you do your best to avoid it but you know if you can have fun when you're losing well then is it really a loss kind of I suppose. Kira, can I ask you about equality in, in, in sport and in terms of I suppose I, I, I know that there, there, there is moves in terms of you know the integration of the GAA and, and the LGFA um, we saw during the year with the championship as well. There was an unfortunate situation with, um, I think it, it was Galway and warming up in Crow Park yeah. and, and situations like that. And I suppose you know that that's, that that level is outside of our control. But for us as a club in in Ulvoirs in, in Balbriggan, what do you think we can be doing at club level? Um, I suppose to to drive and promote that equality. And what do you think are the areas where maybe that the ladies' game is is is, is being left behind? Um, you know, with the with the more traditional men's game as it's seen. Um, it's hard within a big club because uh, you've got your demand on facilities, demand on coaching, demand on pitches for matches at the weekend, particularly come championship. Um, and everyone, you're always of the opinion that to you, your team is the most important. Um. I think communication is probably the most important thing. Every Everybody wants their club to be successful. Everybody wants every team in their club to be successful. But everyone being on the page is really important. And within a big club, 
it's often divided into, okay, we'll have a ladies section, we'll have a juvenile section, we'll have a men's section because it just makes it, the workload lighter for everybody involved. And, but I think communication within those sections and forward planning is really important. Um, look, even playing with St. Bridget's now, we got to three championship finals in a row. The men's team got to three relegation playoffs in a row, yet we were still being bumped for the lads match. I, I hate playing victim and stuff like that, but in my opinion was, uh, look, we're being more successful than you. Why are we getting kicked off? Why is our match being moved to your cup game? Just because you're the men's sort of thing. And that was just purely down to lack of communication between everyone. Um, so I, ju I just think it is making sure that everyone's on the same page, a bit of forward planning, uh, and just sharing things and working together. Like, like there's no solution. If there was an easy fix to these situations, we wouldn't have these problems. Um, but yeah, it's just working together and kind of a bit of bit of understanding um, is always important. But it's 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 not easy, particularly within within big clubs. Um, so I would say within management level of the club, it needs to be a lot of communication and kind of you know making sure everybody is on the same page about pitch allocation, facility allocation, even, you know, allocating finances to a team, et cetera, et cetera. You, you just have to establish that and make sure everybody is sticking to it. And I think that's a step in the right direction. And then hopefully eventually everyone working together can become clockwork, I suppose. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, no, I think I think great, <clears throat> great advice, you know, because I think particularly, you know, you know, in, in, in the past, I suppose, you know, people might say, oh, well, why are we not getting this or whatever? But, but as you say, it, it usually does stem from people not understanding and maybe not understanding because the communication hasn't been in place before, you know. So I think that that's definitely great advice for us to look at implementing within within our own club. Um, Kira, listen, I, I want to thank you very much for, for, for joining us this evening. Uh, it has been an absolute um, pleasure to, to, to be in your company and to listen to you um, over the last the, the last 50 minutes and I think it is you know and even on behalf of the lads just having listened to you is, is no surprise to see the success that you have had uh, in, in your game and, and I would take that from the resilience piece at the beginning um, to the level of preparation that, that, that you're putting in putting in now um, and spurred on obviously by, by that passion for club and for and, and for county um, and I just want to wish you every success for, for the years the years ahead and thank you very much for joining Good. us this evening thanks very much thank you all for listening and we hope you can join us for our next episode thanks for joining us on this episode remember to subscribe and you can get in contact with us through our email Thank you.